This episode of She Explores is brought to you by Danner. For nearly a century, Danner has crafted boots with purpose and integrity. They use the best possible materials to create boots built to last, so you can hit the trail with confidence for years to come. Stay tuned. Later in the episode, we'll hear how Danner forged a new path in hiking footwear through building the Mountain 600. Learn more and find your perfect fit at danner.com. That's D-A-N-N-E-R.com. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. All right, so are you are you ready to get started? Uh, yes, ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> well, Irene, uh, welcome to She Explores, our Women in Water series. So I love that about freediving, that it's like about letting go, letting go of your ego, letting go of your expectations, because you could be doing great one day and then all of a sudden your ear tells you nope and you just have to listen to your body because if not you can hurt yourself right this is irene marcou every now and then i'm gifted with an interview that turns into a conversation that i didn't know i needed and today you'll get to hear that little gift so irene marcou pronouns she her elle because i'm bilingual about me, I'm a water addict. If there's water, I'm I'm into it. Scuba diver, instructor trainer, mermaid instructor trainer, freediver instructor, synchronized swimming coach. I still swim, master's level, so that's for adults. Um, so it's competitive, but also very social. And uh, I'm still involved in the life-saving uh, world as well, so I think that kind of covers it. I have a real boring human job. We don't talk about that part. The other stuff is is really what's important in life. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's nice to have that separation as well, you know, between some of your loves and, and what you do day to day. I mean, I have, let's say, lived my passion, but after a while, it's just sometimes it takes over. So certain things you kind of want to be selfish with it and be like, no, I'm keeping it for myself. <laughs> and not making it a job. Irene and I are around a decade apart in age. So not only does she have about 10 more years of experiences under her belt, she also has an ease about her and her passions that is often earned over time. For me, as I stumble through the end of my 36th year, it was both a joy and a relief to spend some time in her presence. This has been a pattern for me in these conversations with women featured in the Women in Water book. There's a clarity of purpose that I'm gleaning from each person I've had the pleasure of speaking with. Irene loves being in water, whether it's scuba diving in the open ocean, becoming a mermaid, or practicing synchronized swimming in a pool. And it all started when she was a kid. I was kind of dumped into it, almost literally. There's um, these amazing summer pool programs where I grew up, so in the West Island of Montreal, and it's almost free kind of membership. It's very affordable, and I sort of would kind of like get dumped there by my siblings who didn't really want to take care of me, bless them. (laughs) And so I was just at the pool, and I became a pool rat because my sisters were pool rats, and their friends were there, and, and, you know... They didn't want the little sister hanging about, so I, you know, would just keep myself occupied at the pool. And I started 
doing the swimming lessons and the, I'll say it in quotation marks, competitive programs. It was more like an introduction to competition for like swimming. And I was so terrible at the speed swimming, but it was just, I was always at the pool. And even though I wasn't great at it right from the get-go, I remember swimming lessons, like to get me to open my eyes underwater at the beginning was like pulling teeth. But then, you know, once I was in it, it was like, okay, you can't get me out of it. What do you mean you're closing? I have to go home. No, 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 not good. No <laughs> bueno. <laughs> then I discovered synchronized swimming because again, it was in the summer pools and there was a local uh, team that was training in preparation uh, for the show they used to do for the Prince of Monaco in Monaco. So of course I see these beautiful women training, doing the sport I had never seen before. And you're talking to me about travel and princes. I was <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> and, you know, being in the water all the time and I had made up my own little stories underwater and pretending to be the little mermaid, the original way before Disney. And the coaches saw me and were like, uh, you can do great things in the water with no technique. Please come join St. Christ Swimming. And I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> Princesses, travel. Yes, do it. I'm in. And, and voila, that's how it really started and haven't really stopped since. <laughs> do, you, do you remember what any of those shapes looked like that you did when you were a child? I remember playing synchronized swimming with my sister. Uh, I have a twin sister and we watched the Olympics. And that was one of the events that kind of, you know, pulled us in when we were kids. This is kind of coming back to me, like trying to go back onto my back and like put my legs up. And so I'm just so curious what those shapes look like for you. I hadn't even seen synchro yet. Like it was I was doing shapes from the mermaiding and I actually had taught myself how to spin, which is one of the hardest thing to do in synchronized swimming. And apparently I had just decided I want to turn and I want to turn fast and make myself dizzy <laughs> and it's funny and and different ways of turning in, in three dimensional ways. No idea what I was doing, but I had fun. <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot of uh, solitary experiences when you were a kid, you know, kind of training yourself in that and spending time in the pool. How did joining a team, you know, taking on synchronized swimming, like how did that kind of open you up or how did that... Uh, change your relationship with the pool? Synchronized swimming is very, it's a team sport, but it's also very individual as well, because you still have to do the work. You still have to learn your part. You still have to work on your technique. Um, and it's not like you can just be like, hey, we're bouncing around the ball around and we have to know how the other teammates will react. We actually have to be exactly the same doing the same thing because if you're not synchronized that's when accidents happen or incidents hence the multiple concussions uh but yes <laughs> what happens when it's not synchronized um so i think there's definitely it's great to have that team element but i also really enjoyed the pickiness of it like you know taking one thing and having to train it like hundreds of times to make it perfect and I guess that's my little solitary way of, you know, working on things or like focusing and blocking everything out and just focusing on what you need to do in that moment. So I think it has a very good balance of if you're an introvert or whatnot and you need to be in your bubble versus also you can be a complete extrovert and it's really going to show through in that stage presence that you uh, sort of have to develop as well. So you've got the technical, you've got the artistic 
it's a good mix and it's a good balance i find mm. and how many years did you did you do synchronized swimming for a good 30 years <laughs> <laughs> so you're still doing it yeah <laughs> yeah I'm still doing it I mean I took a 10 years break of I uh, wasn't swimming at all like not training synchronized swimming wouldn't even really try any moves or whatnot I did coach a bit during those years uh, but I guess I just I thought I was done with it and I guess I wasn't the siren song called me back the siren song. I love that. And what brought you back to it? And what does it look like, you know, as a, I'm guessing, someone in their late 40s? I guess I wanted to see how my freediving training would apply to synchronized swimming. And when I went back, it was more like just to check it out a bit, dip my toe in, so to speak. And then I realized, oh, wait, I actually miss this. And I miss pushing myself in a different way. And I really enjoy seeing sometimes how my freediving really helps my synchronized swimming and then how some of my background in synchronized swimming is really helping my freediving um, technique and training. So I enjoy that. And of course, freediving in Quebec, you know, where there's winter, you know, three quarters of the year, uh, it was nice to do something in the winter as well, which there is pool trainings, but I never enjoyed doing laps. So even though they're freediving laps, you're still following a black line at the bottom of the pool. And I'm kind of allergic to that black line. So hence the synchronizing part of it. And why did I go back? I realized that I'm going to be 50 synchro age soon. And uh, I started my first world championships as a master's was in 2004 in Italy. My last one was 2014 in Montreal. And when I kind of hung up my nose clips and then I realized 2024 was right around the corner and it's in Qatar. And that sounded interesting, even though I, I do have conflictual emotions about that because of their political climate and whatnot. But part of me is like, that could be cool. Like, so, OK, I'm going to train, you know, for for a year and a half at that time. Now it's starting to be less than a year away and uh, see if I can get me myself back to um uh, half-decent synchro shape for World Masters Championships next year. Wow, wow. So what was your trajectory then uh, from pool swimming to synchronized swimming? When did you start folding in either scuba diving or free diving and, and which came first? I first discovered, I guess, scuba diving for real when I was in Sejep. Ah, Sejep for you non-Quebec people. It's a college between high school and university. Mm. Yeah, we're the only province who has that. We're, we're special. We're always special. Seems like a good idea, though. <laughs> Gives a little buffer it's time. It's supposed to be to help you figure out what you want to do in life, because it's mm. really hard to choose your chosen path right out of high school. So we have one year less of high school in Quebec than the other provinces and one year less of university. But we have these two years where we can just muck about and take all these different courses. There were phys ed courses in Sejep that are mandatory. And one of them was like scuba diving. And I was like, uh, yeah, if I don't have to run <laughs> after a ball, count me in. And that's how I started doing it. So it was like every week for 15 weeks for the session. And if we wanted to, we could then in the summer go get certified actually in open water and pay a little extra camp on site and whatnot. So that was that was it. Like once I was in, I was like, uh, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, this this is it. And I remember they sort of had a, like a cottage on the lake for that weekend of certification. And there was all these photos of the Empress of Ireland wreck uh, in the St. Lawrence and, and ice diving. And I went like, my my mind was blown. I was like, I did not realize you could you could do that. And there was no Instagram back in the day, like because I'm an old mm. lady. I didn't have that um, a visual reference of what reefs look like and then what wrecks look like where about now. It's fairly easy to come across these on social media. But this was like, I discovered a new world and, and I was hooked. I didn't really get into it that much right at the beginning, even though I was super interested. But, you know, broke college students, dive gear and needing car to get to these places wasn't as conducive, but the passion was definitely there and it was definitely ignited. Where did that take you then? Like literally where has scuba diving taken you since? Um, So obviously after that, when I would travel a little bit, I wouldn't travel for scuba. It was like, oh, look, I'm there for, I'm on St. Lucia Island in the Caribbean for my sister's wedding. Oh, look, there's scuba diving. So I'm going to (laughs) go take a day to do that and whatnot. So it wasn't the reason for travel until later when I was living in Switzerland and I kept crossing scuba divers all the time. And I just said, okay, I'm in. And then I started diving there in Swiss lakes uh, almost every weekend. And sometimes during the week as well, we'd do some night dives after work. Best therapy ever, especially post-work. From there, just traveling, yes, uh, the Red Sea, the Great Barrier Reef, lived in Thailand for scuba diving the Caribbean, obviously, Mexico, I'm completely addicted, uh, Roatan, Honduras, Florida, not quite as exciting as Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there is definitely some great diving, and I'm sure I'll be going back as well. But, and I mean, my list is is endless. My goal in life is, is to dive in, in each sea or ocean I can, definitely. That's any in- inhabited continent like I need to go on there and and dive from there 100%. Mm. And what what were you doing in Thailand where you were working there? I had gotten laid off at my job in in Switzerland and I had to leave the country because my visa was tied to my job. So I was like I'll go for a few months and do a little uh, uh internship um basically to become like a more advanced scuba instructor because I was already an instructor at the time and I said well, I'll just go for a little bit dabble and just dive and sort of recoup and decide what I want to do with my life. And then ended up uh, being assistant manager of a dive shop for that year. Hmm. And that's how I also discovered freediving. Oh, okay. So what? tell me that story. <laughs> well, I didn't even try it that time. That was the plan. But I kept, so I, I was teaching, you know, so I'm underwater with my students and whatnot on days that I wasn't in the office. And there was these divers without tanks who would literally be going at my depth and if not deeper. And I was just completely blown away. I was like, you guys are nuts. And at the same time, having wicked burning desire to try it. So when I came back to Quebec and then, you know, once again, I'm, I'm teaching scuba. I'm having a great time. And I keep crossing paths with free divers and kind of checking them out a bit, you know. And uh, see what they were doing and see how friendly they seemed or not. You know? mm. <laughs> and then started talking with one of the instructors who was super nice. And he kept like, no, no, you got to come give it a try and, you know, do it. And I was like, and then I finally signed up for my course and uh, the rest is history. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. Hmm. 
And and what uh, for you was was the appeal? Because you were already going under, you're seeing amazing things. You've learned the craft of scuba. I'm so curious. So there's this Italian champion, world champion, who said it best. Um, I might mangle his last name. Umberto Pelzini. And he said, scuba divers dive to look outside and free divers dive to look inside. And once I heard that, obviously, I'm sure it sounded much greater in Italian. And once I learned that, like I heard that, I was like, yes, I I get that. Freediving is active meditation. It's also, you can't push like in any other sport where you're just like, ride through the pain and push through and you can't. It's all about letting go. As soon as you start pushing, that's when bad things happen <laughs> and it doesn't feel good anymore. So I love that about freediving, that it's like about letting go, letting go of your ego, letting go of your expectations, because you could be doing great one day and then all of a sudden your ear tells you, nope, and you just have to listen to your body because if not, you can hurt yourself, right? It's great for that. It was also the challenge of like, yeah, going down to scuba diving is easy. You got your tanks, you got all the belt and whistles to help you out if anything happens. Freediving. You got yourself and that's it. Yes, you have your buddy who's going to be there and back you up. But really, you're the main actor in this. You know, like your buddy's just a backup. You're in charge of your own destiny, I guess you could say. So that's what I'm... I really attracted me to that. It's it's that getting into that Zen mode and not allowed to push. You're not allowed to bring yourself pain because it just makes things worse. Whereabouts mm-hmm. in synchronized swimming, yeah, we especially in the eighties, we were trained to like you had to hurt, you had to um, basically vomit during practice. You were training so hard, and you know, barely being able to walk. Like there was no joy in holding your breath. Whereabouts now, it's joyful, and I I love to try to bring that appeal of joy of holding my breath into synchronized swimming. Even though, yes, sometimes there might be a little bit of vomit wanting to do at some point in your routine, but but staying very zen about it. Mm. Oh, so we've in certain ways come full circle to your returning to synchronized swimming and thinking about ways to bring that free diving into s- synchronized swimming and vice versa. And I do, I feel like I have such a better understanding of it based on the description that you just gave me about the meditative aspect and the Oh, there's so, I feel like there is such pressure in just everyday life to perform and to to be on and to be doing more and more and more. And so there is such freedom and it sounds like in putting yourself in a really dangerous situation, but there's freedom in that. But you're also in complete control because you can call the dive as well. Like, let's say you're like, okay, you know, you're visualizing, you don't would decide to do the, like, I'm doing, oh, 20 meter depth, let's say. And you think you're going to do that. But then all of a sudden you do your duck dive, you start going down and your your body tells you like, nah, I don't think it's going to happen. And sometimes you just got to go, okay, I'm going to turn around and come back up and that's okay, right? Because ultimately it's your choice. You don't have to hurt yourself, like push yourself. It's not like you're your job where you're almost you're glorified if you're like overworked and <laughs> over busy and, and whatnot. It's yeah, you need to let go of that and just go with the flow.
We'll hear more from Irene after this. Danner crafts boots with purpose and integrity. They have you covered no matter the season, no matter the trail. And this spring, we're lacing up Danner's Mountain 600 hiking boots. Inspired by decades of legendary hiking boots and crafted in partnership with Vibram, these boots provide unparalleled grip on wet and dry trail conditions. Spring hiking often means snowmelt and rainy days, but it's always worth it to get out there. And Danner makes it easier to do just that. The Vibram Fuga outsole with Mega Grip technology means better traction, and the Vibram SPE midsole provides maximum rebound, comfort, and support underfoot. Plus, the leather upper includes Danner Dry, a 100% waterproof barrier which allows moisture to escape without letting water in, which means your feet will be dry and comfortable, regardless of weather, regardless of terrain. Learn more and find your perfect fit at danner.com slash mountain 600. That's danner.com slash mountain 600. We're back. I know it would depend on the dive, but how long on average is a, is a free dive for you? Let's say an and a half, depending on the depth of how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. Um, but it could be super short, too, if I'm just going down and checking something out. And obviously, if it's static, my personal best is four minutes. Uh, but that's right at the surface, not moving, not doing anything. But some people call it the, the truest discipline, the most pure discipline, because it's just pure breath hold. It has nothing to do with the rest of your muscles. It's all about your mind and how much pain you can handle. <laughs> In your mind, Oof. because you're fighting with your brain that says, breathe now, we're dying. And you're like, no, actually, why not? I can actually keep going. And then realizing and, and training for it to, to work with your mind Oof. to go through that. While you're like, literally, your body is like contracting to be like, no, no, suck in there now, now, now. And you're like, no. I feel uncomfortable just hearing you still say that. But you know what? Some people hate it. hate that discipline. There's world champions who will do so many disciplines but refuse to do static or any pool disciplines. And it depends how you train it. I've actually found it kind of fun because, again, it's you can push yourself, but you got to push yourself in a very healthy way because, yeah, it can be dangerous. Um, but also it's getting that, you know, the, that urge and then going, tell your body, okay, thanks for letting me know, but I'm actually okay. And then trying to get back into that meditative state after after your, your body's telling you, not really, no, we're not happy. And you're like, no, yes, we are. And then your body goes, <laughs> okay, yeah, we are. And then you're just like kind of coasting and you're kind of like feeling you're in that half asleep dream state, you know? And it is quite a kind of buzz, a good buzz. Mm. Do you feel do you feel different after like after you leave the pool? Oh yeah, or oh, any kind of free dive training. Uh, we call it apnea brain. Yeah, sometimes we're a little a little silly and a little uh, forgetful. I'm often that way, uh, just without <laughs> any training. Like Same. I think we just use it as an excuse that like we're just so happy and like you know content. Another way that Irene finds herself in the water is through mermaiding. In the Women in Water book, she shared, quote, 
I truly enjoy incorporating the creativity of synchronized swimming and the flow state of free diving into my mermaiding. Whether I don a full tail, makeup, and accessories, or just slip on my monofin, I immediately become a mermaid. And when you're a mermaid, it doesn't matter your size, your gender, whether you're neurotypical or what your orientations are. That's what I love most about being a mermaid. It's for everyone. At the launch event for the book, Irene read her section out loud and I couldn't help but say, I want to be a mermaid too. Because how beautiful to feel comfortable in your skin in this way. I asked her to elaborate on her practice. It depends who I guess I'm talking to, but I'll be like, no, yeah, I'm a mermaid. I'm a mermaid. I love mermaiding. And usually they look at me like I'm a complete freak and, and I'm okay with that. For me, it's a, it's many different things. It's, it's physical, it's mental, it's it's play, right? And I, I like I always say, I find women, especially especially mothers and you know wives and whatnot, we don't play. We don't have time for just joy and fun, right? Because we're always busy with everything. We have so many responsibilities, and that's what I've seen so much around me. And I just love the fact that you know you can slap on a mermaid tail or even just a monofin and just move your body. And it's a joyful movement. There is no competitive component to it. And even then, those are fun. <laughs> it's it's a full body movement workout, if you want it to be a workout. It's meditation, if you want it to be. What mermaid courses are is basically, I say, it's a free dive course. We're learning all the basic safety rules of breath hold but with a splash of magic with it, right? With a little bit of a, the fun part of of the monofin technique, but also, you know, we do like blowing mermaid kisses underwater and, and certain moves and whatnot. So it's, again, it's fun, it's play, but with the safety aspect of obviously we're holding our breath. So it does come with certain risks. But again, as long as you play by the rules, is that it's perfectly safe, just like scuba diving or free diving. I know a lot of people push that, oh, it's dangerous. You know, you could die. Uh, well, you can die crossing the street too. But at least in the water, if you respect the water, you have respect for the water and its rules. For me, it's one of the safest things you can do. Uh, in terms of, of the play aspect of it, how does it feel to, you know, when you when you do wear the fin and, and maybe dress up a little bit more. How does it feel to look in the mirror and or see photos after and, and see yourself as a mermaid? It's bomb. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and, and at first I was like, oh, I'm not a dress up mermaid. I'm a, you know, I'm a safety mer freediving mermaid, right? I'm wigs and, and crowns and whatnot. And then after that, you know, you put it on because everybody's like, come on, do it, do it. And you're like, okay. And then it kind of <laughs> brings back that when I was a kid starting synchronized swimming, especially synchronized swimming in the 80s, like, hello, makeup. Yeah, I bet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and bright colors, like, hello, blue and hot pink eyeshadow, right? But I don't know. It was just like, wow, I feel pretty. <laughs> Even though it's, I, that's so not me in real life. I'm, I'm just not a girly girl in, in any way, shape or form. And all of a sudden, it's like, I slip into this and it's like, yeah, I, I'm... It's just another part of me that, like, I'm having fun. It's fun to feel beautiful. It's fun to feel different, fun to be part of my 
natural habitat, which is the water. Um, and it just kind of brings in a bit of that old synchroisomer in me. Hmm. It's uh, it's for you. Sometimes it feels like there's things that we do as a performance and it, for other people. And, and honestly, the older that I get, the less I have patience for that or want to do that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so it seems another kind of freeing thing to be able to be like, this brings me joy. I get to play, I get to have fun and just kind of sink into it. <laughs> Wait till you hit your 40s. We call it the effort 40s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great. I'm a few years away. Sounds great. <laughs> That's okay. You can start being a, a fit before then, too. Yes. <laughs> no, I think, again, there's always so much, like, pressure, pressure to look a certain way or behave a certain way or, you know, women have to be this or that and be ladylike or whatever. You can be whatever you want to be. You could look the way you want to be. You can be a mermaid, but you can be a siren and, and, and you can just explore that. Have fun with it, right? You don't have to be the wife, the mother, the the model employee or the overworked employee. You can just be a fish in the water. Quick note before you hear the answer to this question. I had originally sent Irene a thought about how she has shaped her life around water, similar to the ways in which water as an element will always fill a container. I love the way she referred back to this idea and turned it inside out. What are the different ways that you've been intentional about, you know, opening up, whether it's being a mermaid or scuba diving to more people, you know, over the in the last 30 years that you've been playing in the water, enjoying the water? In whatever I've done, I always wanted to be inclusive. And maybe back then we didn't know the words inclusive or Hmm. uh, it wasn't such spoken thing. But I, I always had that. I want everybody to enjoy it because I do really truly believe in the therapeutic aspect of water, no matter what it is, uh, from synchro to freediving to mermaiding or scuba. For me, water has always been my therapy, number one therapy. No matter how many therapists I've seen, (laughs) water was always the best one for me at any given time, no matter what was going on in my life. And that's what I want to share to the world as much as yes I love the sport of it or sometimes the competition or whatnot for me everybody finds something because I find water um, I remember you mentioning uh, you know water fills the shape that it's held in something like that and I love that but I'm like no matter your shape water hugs you and holds you right It, it adapts as long as you respect it it will be there for you and it'll bring you whatever comfort you need at the time, if that makes sense. Oh, it really does. That's so beautiful. I love that. Well, Irene, is there anything else you want to share? I, I have the big question of what has water given you. So if you have any final thoughts to share about that, if you look back on the last 30 plus years. Water has given me life. I know it's cliche, <laughs> but literally Without water, I, I don't know where I'd be. I mean, <laughs> I kind of saw a hint of it during COVID um, when we were in severe lockdown. And I guess mm-hmm. I'd never realized just how much I needed it and counted on it, either being in the water or next to water. Uh, and 
just how important it is. So for me, yeah, as cliche and cheesy as it is, water for me means life. That's what it means. Thank you so much to Irene Marcoux for taking the time to talk. You can follow along with Irene at Irene underscore la underscore Serene, S-I-R-E-N-E, on Instagram. Learn more at IreneLaSerene.com, which Irene is in the process of updating. And as always, I'll link both in the show notes. Irene's section in Women in Water is called Becoming a Mermaid. Women in Water is a book filled with stories of adventure, self-discovery, and connection in and on the water. It's available now wherever books are sold. You can find She Explorers on social media, our website, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter to stay up to date. You can find me on Instagram at Gail Straub. If you enjoy listening, there are different ways to support us. You can subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Gail Straub. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then, stay curious.